You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. My name is Michael. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm one of the pastors here. You hanging out up here too, Jess? Cool. Everybody? All right. We're doing that. It's a team, it's a team effort today. Uh, thank you guys. It's fantastic. Um, it's January 19th, and my guess is if you mustered the strength uh, to declare or, or to begin making changes in your life at the new year, like, you know, new decade, new you, right? Uh, whether that's diet or, or exercise or, or uh, your relationship with God and, and prayer and disciplines, and I'm going to read more and, and pray more, or relationships, I'm going to spend more time with the ones that I love, or, or I'm going to uh, make sure that I'm gathering with the church regularly, or, or maybe it's financial goals that you have, and, and my guess is, by this point, you've found yourself struggling a bit to succeed in those things. Uh, failing maybe in, in what was once like a, a daily thing is now a few times a week and, and maybe weekly or, or maybe maybe even not at all. And I'm sure you have great reasons for that. I have good reasons for my failures. Uh, and, and they probably go something like this, like schedule or time. Like I just, gosh, you know, life is, is crazy. And, or, or maybe there, there are unexpected obstacles or, or sickness or you say, oh, just the kids, they just... Ah, fill in gaps, or, or my workout partner keeps bailing on me. How am I supposed to do anything, right? Um, and that's the call that you just love to hear. <laughs> uh, or, or maybe you say, I'm just not sure how to eat, or, or how to pray, or where to start, or, or, or who keeps spending all of my money. And I'm sure that each of those excuses, if we're honest, could, could be worked around. They could be overcome. Um, but at the end of the day, what, what keeps us from doing those things that we've committed to, those things that we said were the right things, and, and what allows us to let the other things and, and the things that we said, those are the wrong things. I'm, I'm not going to get caught up in that. What keeps us, uh, what, what bolsters our excuses and what exaggerates our, our insecurities and, and all of this is, is that we just don't want to do those things. That's okay. We can say that out loud. Um, we make time, we make space, we make a way to do what we want to do. Whether that's right things or wrong things or, or indifferent things, we will fight to do what we want. So what's revealed in us in the middle of January is, is that while we wrestle with, with all the shoulds of life, and there are many of those things, and they can easily be crippling for many, all the shoulds and all the I have tos and, and I that's the reality. All that is, is just, uh, and, and all of those things are just being faithful to what, what we want, let alone what, what God would have for us. See, humans are just really good at making excuses. We, we try and, and what we'd want to want, to get out of things that, that we just don't want to do. We are good excuse makers. We're, we are uh, the best lawyers. We are our own advocate. And that's nothing new. As we look at Exodus, and we've been walking through this for a few weeks, and we'll continue to for many more weeks as we see God redeem and, and save His people and pull His people out of Egypt. We see captives set free. 
But as for now, up to this point, we see that the Hebrews, God's people, Israel, they're enslaved and they're suffering. And we see that God, uh, kind of out of nowhere, we, we saw this backstory of Moses, and we see him 40 years removed, an 80-year-old man in Midian, far from Egypt. We see God invited Moses to, to join the work to set God's people free. And we see Moses do his best impression of Americans in the middle of January. He just makes excuses. Lots of them. But, but why me, he says. But how could I? And so today, we get to learn from and we get to rejoice with Moses in, in this. Excuses and insecurities, they are no match for God's persistence and provision. So Moses is interacting and he's responding to God, calling him to open up lines of communication with Pharaoh and, and God calls him to, to demand or ask Pharaoh if he would let God's people go. And, and Moses has already responded with some excuses. And he says, but, but who am I? And then, then last week we saw that he, that he says, but, but God, who are you? And then, and then that's where it finds us today. Uh, excuse number 17 or, or 3. I'm not influential enough. That's what he says. And so let's jump in. I'm just going to read the first verse. Exodus 4.1 Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to me. They will not listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. So all this is going on while, while Moses is interacting with God through a burning bush that is not consumed. And he's doing his thing, and God says, Psst, Hey, flaming bush, hey, what's that? And God uh, ignites a conversation with Moses. And, and he in, invites him into this, and Moses says, Gosh, uh, that's great, but they're not going to uh, listen. They won't believe me that I'm interacting with you. So he, so he blames. He puts it on them. It's not my deal. It's, it's their problem. He deflects. He, he, he throws up an excuse. And, and here's the thing. I get this all the time. I, I say this sometimes, and I, I hear this all the time. Uh, Maybe somebody is living like, uh, they're, they're doing things that are, that are sinful or, or in this community that we get to walk in. And, and somebody might say, or, or I might say, hey, have you talked to them about that? Gosh, that sounds, man. And then what, what do we say? We say, oh gosh, that wouldn't do any good. It's the same. That wouldn't do any good if I talked to them. So, so you tell me that you, you've observed your brother or sister walking in a way that is not pleasing to the Lord or sinful or dangerous and, and so, are you, are you going to interact with him? Oh, gosh, no. They're, they're never going to listen to me. That is the exact same excuse that Moses gives the Lord to his face. They'll never change. And, and there's no way that, that I'm the one. And in fact, if we look at the backstory, even so far, Moses might have said something like this. They've never listened to me before, Lord. You, you know that. Like, like remember when, when I was uh, a little bit younger, uh, and then I killed the Egyptian, and I buried him. And then, remember later that week, the, the Hebrews were fighting, and I tried to break them up, and they accused me of wanting to kill them. Do you remember that? Remember that, Lord? They're, they're not going to listen to me. That's why I'm here. I fled because of that. I ran away, and, and, and here I am. Right? I, I've never felt like one of them. I've never felt fully Hebrew because although I was born a Hebrew, I was raised an Egyptian. And, and I never really felt like an Egyptian because I was born a Hebrew. And, and, and the reality is, uh, that's why I feel at home here, 285 miles away from Egypt, shepherding sheep. 
That's me, God. What we see in Moses is, is a few things. We see that past experiences shape future interactions. And for some of you, that might be a shock. And for some of you, you know right well that the course of your life may have been uh, directed or redirected by, by subtle things or huge things or, or hurtful or harmful things that happened decades ago. But we have to understand that, that this is a reality, that, that past experiences, things done to us, they shape us in the present and in future interactions. But then there's kind of like an inverse of that or, or the way that we join that work. There's a similar saying, and it goes like this. Past patterns are the best indicators of future behavior. And I learned that probably first early on when I was uh, through Acts 29 getting to assess other church planters, and, and they reminded us of this. And then I said, so when, when you ask them about such and such, or, eh, hey, what's your family like? Or, you know, do, do you, uh, what, what does it look like for you to be a disciple that makes disciples? Or, or a, uh, a missionary lifestyle? Wh- whatever those things are. Anybody can have the right answer, but ask for examples. Like, give me some examples when you discipled someone that, that wasn't a Christian and now they're whatever. And so what, what you see is, it's one thing to, to have an idea about things. It's another thing to have demonstrated things and we have lots of ideals that, that never really come to fruition. And so you put these two things together, both sayings are largely true. The past shapes our present and the way that we interact with the present, but it doesn't have to control it. This is where we get to be involved in our life story. It doesn't have to control it. We have a part to play in overcoming past patterns. That is the, the, the things that happen because of us. And past interactions. The things that have happened to us. So we, we can resonate better than, than we would imagine with what Moses is saying. here. This week, I had like a, a simple conversation with our kids. And, and they were talking about, uh, kids are almost 11 and, and 12, they were talking about friends, and, and one of them said, I, I can see this person, like, serving Jesus, but this other friend, I could never see them serving Jesus. It's like, ah, and so we asked questions, like, what, like, what, what is the, th- well, I mean, this one, like, you know, uh, they act okay, and they can, like, get themselves together, and this other one, gosh, they just don't get it, right? They, they act like fools, and you're like, oh, okay, but the reality is, gosh, Maybe you find yourself in the same line of thinking. God can't use me. God wouldn't love me. Or God can't save her. Or how on earth would he use me to change the way they live? The beauty of of the God that we serve is that he, he doesn't have a kind of person. And if you look to the left and to the right of you, everybody's story is different. And I promise that my story didn't always look, I, I, I didn't always wear this sweater, okay? <laughs> and, and, and to the left and to the right of you, you just have no idea where those people have come from. And, and we might not know where you have come from. God doesn't have a kind. Your past, good and bad, means, means nothing for what God can and can't do in the future. So, so here's like a beautiful thing that God can use our past. But look, he isn't impressed by it. 
And, and he isn't stifled by it either. That's, that's the God that Moses is interacting with. So for us, we hide behind maybe what we have been or, or what we are or, or what we're not or what we've done or what we haven't done. And we say, I can't join God's work because I've not lived the perfect life and, and they know it. And, and who am I to tell them? And, and they won't receive my hope because my family, gosh, we're just a wreck. And, and who am I uh, that anyone would listen to me anyway? They, they won't receive me, or, or as Moses says, they won't believe me. God reminds Moses that it was never Moses to begin with. It was God who would be doing the compelling. And just before this text, we saw up above that, that God said, here's what you're going you're to go talk to Pharaoh, and, and oh yeah, he's, he's not going to listen to you. But, but I will compel him. I will stretch out my hand. And, and Moses, you'll see that when all this wraps up, he's going to do what you're asking him to do. So, uh, our ability to be faithful, our ability to be obedient is, is not a reflection of our competency to carry the... Do you trust God to do what he has called us to do? Does Moses trust God to do what God has called him to do? And so God encourages Moses by showing his greatness, and he does... Th- he does so through three miraculous signs, and, and all of those have something to do with things that we'll see later on, but, but here's the thing. God isn't just doing street magic to impress, and he's not like looking through the Rolodex of like uh, magic tricks, like, ooh, here's an, opp- an opportunity to do some magic. What about the, uh, the staff and the, the serpent? Yeah, yeah, let's do this one. Moses, I got something for you, but he does do this. He says, hey, what's that in your hand, Moses? And he says, it's a staff. A shepherd's staff, a stick. He said, we'll, th- we'll throw it on the ground. And he does, and it turns into a snake. And Moses does what half of you in the room would do. He just runs away. Now, maybe because that's a snake, and maybe because one second prior, it was a stick. I had an ex- a similar experience. I was probably seven years old in, in Williamstown on a lake, and I was with my grandparents, and I was, and I was getting ready to go skiing. And I remember... Uh, looking in the grass, and I, I saw this stick. This is not a joke. A stick that was curious looking, and I was like, "Wow!" That, but it was in the grass, and I kind of couldn't see. It. And I remember touching it, and it just moved under my fingertips. And I was like, "I, I literally ran away." So I, I get what's going on here. And then, then he says, "Well, grab it by the tail." And I'm no, uh, you know, I'm no wildlife expert, but I, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. We don't know what type of snake this was, but, but many believe that it was like a cobra, and that's really bad news because they're like really good at, you know, biting you when you try to grab them by the tail. So, uh, and then he turns it back into a staff. He says, pick it up by its tail, and he does, and it's a piece of wood again, and oh, gosh. So, so this staff, snake staff thing, he, here's the thing. Pharaoh, he, he wore a, a cobra headdress. He's like real cliche Egyptian. Right? I get that. But, but he, he wore this, this, this snake headdress. And as the eagle is the, the, the good old U.S. of A.'s mascot, that's our symbol, the, the, uh, the cobra was southern Egypt's mascot. So, so since Genesis 3, you might know this, the snake kind of represents evil, and, and God is going to destroy, he's going to crush the head of the snake, of the serpent, of evil, and in this, we all leaders and kings used 
scepters as symbols of power, like mighty scepters and, and gold and, and ornate. And God says, hey, you have a, a dead stick in your hand. And later on in the chapter, he, he's going he's gonna to use that dead stick. He's going to call it as his own, and he's going to do work through Moses. Right? See, um, dominance is the king's crown, but in this kingdom that God is building... He uses shepherd analogy from, from old all the way through the New Testament. And the, what we get to do is we care for one another. He uses shepherd analogy through and through to de- demonstrate his leadership. Because the shepherd cares for the sheep more than he cares for himself. So he does this. And then God said, well, there you go, Moses, that they might believe. You, you saw it. And then he doesn't give him one second to, to make another excuse or say anything. He shows him a second thing. And he says, hey, you have a hand there. Yeah. Put it in your cloak. I think that's like a jacket. And pull it out. And he does, and it's white as snow. Uh, it was uh, crusty and, and scaly and leprous. And Moses knew what that meant. That was not good. And he said, put it back in there. And he pulled it out, and it was clean. And so, in that, we see uh, God demonstrating his power, n- not only over creation, as he did with the snake, but, but also over humanity. See, we live in a time where, where medicine is, is common, and, and people, even um, in, in our midst, have, have something like brain surgery in, in their home the next week. It's common practice. When I hear of something that medicine can't heal, I'm surprised. But that was not the case at this time. Uh, it, it meant death. It, it, it didn't mean just physical death when someone had leprosy, but they were both physical and emotional and relational. So God demonstrates that, that he overcomes all of that. And then he says, if they don't believe you, after the first sign, perhaps, perhaps Moses, who knows Moses, maybe they'll believe you after the second. And Moses is like, and God's like, oh, I got one more for you. And, and, he, and, he, and he says, go get some water from the Nile and, and splash it on the ground. And it turned to blood. So, so the Nile was literally life to the Egyptians. It, it's life to everyone in the region. Blood was death. That, that's what it means now and that's what it meant then. And, and in this, God was foreshadowing a bunch of stuff that would come. But he was also demonstrating his authority over the things of nature. And he was demonstrating that, that the life that the Nile brought, e- even that life, was subject to the author of all life. So, so don't bypass the creator for the created. And then after that, he says, if they don't believe you, uh, either one of those, maybe, maybe they'll believe you. And, and you kind of get this idea that God's doing this thing like, oh, yeah, they're not going to believe that you're talking to God. But like with a wink and an elbow nod, maybe then, Moses, they will believe that, that you're actually talking to God right now. And he's calling you into his mission to save his people. See, God is, is incredibly understanding with Moses. L- later on, we would see Jesus do the same miracles. And, and, and he worked these miracles to, to demonstrate his authority. And he casts pigs by the thousands off of a cliff. And he heals the leper and the blind. And, and he calms storms with his, 
with his words, and nothing is outside the authority and the power of God, and yet God deals graciously in, in uh, incredibly understanding with Moses. He shows him something, and then he's like encouraging him, like, like coaching him along despite Moses' rejection. So, so he says, I understand, Moses, I, I'm with you, and I am more competent and, and, and capable than you can understand. I know what I'm getting into. And look, and I chose you anyway, right? Buddy, let's do this. So when you find yourself excuse-making, insecure, we get to know that, that we have a God who understands, and, and he chose you, his church, us, to do work. It, it isn't the competence uh, of us that, that sees it through. It is the competence of God that makes us fit for the task. And so, so the utter competence of God is, is the diffuser of our doubt, of our disbelief, of our insecurity. And all those things lead to us making excuses. But our excuses don't end with, with blame and, and the lack of influence that we might have. He goes on and he says, God, I, I can't because I'm not skilled enough. I can't communicate in a compelling way. I, I, like, here's another excuse. Uh, this week on Thursday, my family was hanging out and we were watching Jeopardy. We don't watch all the time, but gosh, I just love when I can like get a whole, you know, like a whole category. I'm like, yeah, this is, I got this, you know. And then they throw something up and I'm like, ugh. Oh. I don't know. I have, I have no clue. Well, this woman on there, no disrespect, wow. Um, there were three people, in, and I, I felt like n- none of the contestants were that great, all right, if I'm being honest. But one of them, I, I just felt so bad for her because she, if she got the clicker right, and you, I just love watching people, and they just freak out, like, all right, I know that's a thing. Uh, if she got a question Alex would say, hey, you know, her, her name, and she, she, she wouldn't say anything. She would just be like, uh, it's like, oh, wow, oh, gosh, she had a rough go, and then and it happened again. She's in the hole at $4,500, and, and she didn't even get a play in, in Final Jeopardy, and, and Alex, as sweet as he is, is like, hey, yeah, it's, it seemed like you had a little bit of, maybe nerves got the best of you. I don't think she answered. I, it, was, it was really tough to watch. She understands what Moses is talking about. Um, and, and I understand what Moses is talking about. I'm sure we all do. I, I remember saying to my then girlfriend, later on would become my wife, like, gosh, I, I, would, never become, I would never be a pastor because there is no way on the planet that I can speak in front of people. Said that out loud. No way. And so she didn't know what she was getting into when we started doing this. Uh, it's part of the, the, what we call the Graham family curse that every man in my family, when embarrassed or when even just a small group of people like look at them, that we just turn as like violently red in our face. And not just red, but I remember like third grade, fourth, I remember being in school and and I, my personality was like this, but then if somebody like just made something about me in class or whatever, 
I remember being like, I could feel the blood rush to my head, and I, and, it would, and I would start sweating, and it would feel like my head was literally going to explode. So this, would, this will never happen. And, and yet, here we are. Understands the nature of what God's calling him into. This isn't really just about a, an, a human interaction or, or a line of questioning. This is a diplomatic mission. This is political. That's what's, when, you, when you go have a conversation with the president, it's political. The, the king of, in, in this point, the, the most powerful man on the planet, it, it's a political mission. So getting Israel out of Egypt required a, a public spokesperson with oratorical abilities to persuade the world's most powerful leader to do something he had no intention of doing, and Moses doubted he was up to the task. So the excuses are adding up, and, and this one was maybe held back for, for, uh, by Moses, and, and maybe he thought this was his closer, although he has one more up his sleeve. And he says, surely God will understand. Uh, I, I mean, God, just, just listen to the way that I'm talking to you right now. So he says, oh, oh my Lord, I, I am not eloquent, either in the past or even since you have spoken to your servant. Like, I don't have a track record of being good with words, and like, just look at me now. Right? Uh, and, and I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Literally, he said, have a heavy mouth. I, I'm not a wordsmith. That, oh, that, is, that is not me. Or I, I'm a, a simple guy, and I like, so I like hanging out with the sheep. I, I'm not a politician. You, you have the wrong guy. And so scholars speculate what Moses is saying in this. And, and some say maybe it's uh, psychological, like he's just really shy, and maybe like that. Jeopardy person just struggles a bit when, when it's on the line. Maybe he failed you know, rhetoric in college and, and he just wasn't savvy. Or, or maybe it was physical. He's, he's inarticulate. He had an impediment. He's not quick on his feet. Uh, he may have stammered or, or stuttered. These are things that, that we commonly hear. But, but I found this super interesting that, that I didn't really think of this. Maybe it was cultural. It may have been a language barrier. And like he might have, might have said, look, I, I haven't spoken fluent Egyptian in 40 years. And you're asking me to compete and interact with these incredibly sharp... Uh, the, the Pharaoh's council is winsome, and I haven't spoken like that in, in decades. Whatever his speech problems or his insecurities were, uh, his excuse finds good company. Not just with us, but, but if we look through the pages of the other Old Testament prophets... And, and many in the scriptures, uh, Isaiah says, Woe to me, I'm ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips, how could I? And Jeremiah, as God calls him into his work, he says, Ah, sovereign Lord, I, I do not know how to speak, I am only a child. So what we see is, is God's diplomats are great excuse makers. God has given him a, a clear and unmistakable calling. Go talk to Pharaoh. And, and you might be thinking, well, yeah, if God would just make things that clear for me, I, I'm sure I would be faithful. Never mind the fact that, that we struggle to say yes to just the general cause of God for his people. Love the Lord and your neighbor. Anybody in Christ that submits to the scriptures would say yes. Well, how, how are you doing there? 
It's, it's crystal clear that we're to do that. How are, you, how are you doing there? Go and tell. Obey and teach to obey. Flee from sin. Be generous and invest in the mission. Pray for one another. How are you doing there? Because I know you would be faithful to the big thing. To the, to the uh, go tell Pharaoh thing. I know you would be faithful to that. But how are you doing at, at just that? Go, go pray for one another. Care for one another. Bear one another's burdens. How are you doing in that? Offer grace and mercy. Believe boldly. Show up. Sit under the word. Open your homes. Open your table. Open your life. Be a disciple who makes disciples. And on and on and on. And yet Moses, he was filled with insecurity, which took flesh and excuses. And he seemed competent enough to argue with God on the matter of going. And this is what's interesting. God, even right now, I, I'm, it would be like a, like a kid saying to uh, his, his parent, I, I can't do my homework because I'm not good at writing persuasion papers. And here are six reasons why. I can't do that. That's exactly what Moses is like articulating well-constructed concession rebuttal dialogue. But he says, no, I'm not the guy. And and maybe that's funny or maybe that's foreign or or maybe that's you and maybe that's me that we can come up with a thousand reasons not to do the very basics of our life in Christ. The things that when it's all said and done, they, they will make the sum of our days. The things that we get to do or the things that we neglect to do. And none of this is, is without understanding. Not, not from me in this room. I, I'm, I'm talking to me today. And you just get to listen to that. And, and none of this is without understanding from, from God who, who engages with Moses in a gracious way. I, I get it. We get it. God gets it. But we have to get a handle on what is important and what God asks and what he calls all who are his into. And we get to engage in that. And around here, because it's, it's tough to invite us into do everything that God, God calls us into in Christ. That's tough. Because it's a big book and there's lots of stuff. But what we try to do around here is, is simplify that into just two things. Join the family and join the mission. Or, or commit to the family and commit to the mission. Or contribute to the family and contribute to the mission. And, and, and that's why we say that. Every time we gather together, Pastor Scott or someone else does that in the intro. And, and we are invited into these things. And so what does that look like to join the family? Well, first and foremost, it looks like this. Trust Jesus. Repent and believe. Turn from sin and turn to a God who laid down his life to forgive you of that sin. Acknowledge that, that you can't, but God did. And, and that is the only door into not only eternal life, but peace with God today and, and the fullness of life forever with God and his people. Join the family. Trust Jesus. If you've never done that or, or you're kind of just up in the air, or what does that mean? It, it means that we get to trust that, that God did what we never could. That Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sin, although he didn't deserve that. We did. And, and if we just believe that, we believe unto eternal life. <clears throat> but, but then we get, to, we get to be a part of community and family. 
And as, as Scott said today, like you're doing that today. You, you gather with the church under the word, and we get to do that in community. And so if you're not connected to a community group, then you're just missing out on, on a big part of life that helps you remember the, the main thing, that is that our life is in Christ. So, so we get to walk life out together with others, and we get to show up on Sundays and, and be a part of community group, and, and we get to be baptized in response to faith, and we get to become members if we decide that this is our, our home, church, family. And then secondly, we get to join the mission. So not just the family, but the mission. We get to contribute to the family and to the kingdom. We get to serve. And so many of you serve in incredible ways around here. So if you're looking for ways to serve, you can, you can go to the Connect desk and say, how can I get involved? Or you can go to myvillagechurch.com and check it out. There's a serve page. You can click on a little thing and somebody will say, yeah, we would love for you to serve. You can give, invest in God's mission generously. And, and so many of you, even, even newer people that have recently connected, giving generously and graciously to, to God's mission through the village. What a gift. You can invite and, and I love that we're a church that, that doesn't say, hey, my friend needs to know Jesus. Michael, will you talk to them about Jesus? Will you talk to them about Jesus? You get to invite them, not just to a, a gathering or, or into community, although those are great front doors into the kingdom, but you invite them into the kingdom by sharing Christ's work to them and, and into their life. So, if you find yourself not skilled enough, not competent enough for any of those things, you, you get to uh, grow in those things. If you say, I've been a disciple for, for decades, I've never discipled someone else. Today, don't, don't continue to make excuses. We would love to walk with you, to invest in you, to build you up so that you might be a little more competent and confident to walk in that, all right? So what do our excuses say about what we believe, about what we think that, that all this is about? And what we see from Moses is he says, I, 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 or, or they can't because I, 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 I. And God counters Moses' points. He counters his thinking by, by saying this, Moses, I, I get that you're not the best public speaker, but, but Moses, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So Moses is saying, I, I can't do this. I, I'm not good enough. And God said, yeah, but, but I'm, I made you. I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good enough. And then he goes on and he says, Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. He reminds him that I'm doing the work. And he doesn't minimize the excuses of Moses. But, but he may find it laughable. Oh, oh Moses, buddy, you, you thought that Pharaoh was going to respond to you? Like that commercial with the little kid dressed as Darth Vader, and he's like doing that. And then you have dad like pushing the button on the car, and, and his lights are blinking. And the kid's like, wow, I'm doing it. Like in every cartoon ever where there's like something coming, and there's like a little dog, and he's like barking, and the thing runs away, and he's like, yeah. And you see the big shadow behind him that's like a bear behind him. Isn't that sweet to think that God is that big bear behind us? And we think that all this is about us. But really, it's Him doing the work through us. How cool is that? I'm not skilled enough to persuade the heart of the wicked to see God's plans 
and trust them completely. Yeah, yeah the same. I, I'm, I'm not. So Jesus would later on, he would, he would say, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the, and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. We're, we're not alone in that. Charles Spurgeon says this, and I want to read this. I shall not attempt to teach a tiger the virtues of vegetarianism, but I shall as hopefully attempt the task, that task, as, as I would try to convince an unregenerate man of the truths revealed by God concerning sin and righteousness and judgment to come. These spiritual truths are repugnant to carnal men, and the carnal mind cannot receive the things of God. Gospel truth is diametrically opposed to fallen nature. And if I have not a power much stronger than that which lies in moral persuasion, or in my own explanation and arguments, I have undertaken a task in which I am sure of defeat. Accept the Lord, endow us with power from on high. Our labor must be in vain. And our hopes must end in disappointment. Spurgeon's the prince of preachers. And, and that word is salve to my soul who anguishes over my abilities even before you this very day. Do you believe that? We have a better chance of teaching a, a lion to be a vegetarian than to teach dead men to live. When I remember that, then my trust uh, shifts from me and it shifts to where it ought to be to the Lord. What if I fail? Well, well, that's certain. But what if God desires to succeed? That is also certain. And, and what a joy to see Him work. So, so question here, what skill do you lack that God cannot overcome for His glory and His purpose? Because I know we make excuses and I know we're insecure. So what skill do you lack that you think God, he just can't get past that? Then when God looks at you, he says, oh, yikes, what am I going to do with that one? There's not any. God is redeemer, and he exchanges our weakness for his strength to build his kingdom as he likes, which leads us to our final point, Moses' culminating argument, the, the peace, the resistance, God surely will, will just leave me be when I, when I tell him this, and, and, and it invokes the Lord to anger. We have seen him say, but they won't because I'm not, and, and I can't, and finally, God, I can't because I'm not willing enough. You should find someone else. And we've probably all been in a situation like this, like, hey, you want to... You want to do that thing? Hang out, whatever? Nah, I've got to work. Yeah? Like, man, I, I work with you. I, I did your work. I, I talked to the boss. You're good to go. Nah, man, I, I got to wait. Uh, I got to wait for the mail. Something's coming. Hey, it's Sunday. No mail. Okay, I, I, have, to, I have to wash my hair. Bro, you're, you're bald. You don't have any hair. And, and finally, you're just like, I, I don't want to. I, I just don't want to. You, you should find someone else to hang out with you. That's what Moses does. 
It's nothing new, what you and I do. We finally see what God knew about Moses all along, that he's just unwilling. It wasn't about, I can't or they won't. It was about, I, I, don't, I don't want to do that. He's so insecure, he's so riddled with excuses that, that God, before his very eyes, is inviting him into the work of saving God's people, of relinquishing their burdens, breaking their chains, ransacking evil, overturning injustice, and freeing God's people to worship him freely on the mountain. And he thinks it better to just disobey God, send someone else. And here's the thing, do you think that Moses didn't want the Hebrews freed? Like, he could have been so, that's a part of my life. That I don't think so. I think he probably did. I think he thought it was a good idea. Thank you, God, that you have heard that you're going to do something about it. I think just more likely, he just, he just doesn't want to get involved. Like, if you've lived in Trenton, I lived in Trenton for a decade. Can't tell you how many times I have said or heard this. Like, hey, I can't believe they don't have a, a burger place in Trenton. We've got 98 pizza places. Right? You get anything that you want. Chinese, tacos, pizza for days. I just want to be able to drive up and say, I want a burger and leave. How is that not a thing? Uh, they should... Man, why hasn't... It's the same thing. I don't know who they are. But I'm I'm sure there's like some investors that want to make some money. And so we we do this. And and what we know is is someone should or or why won't someone. I I don't know why someone won't, but I know that I haven't. That's what I know. Uh, And as much as I I would like that, I, I like something more. I like not taking the risk of starting a business that I know nothing about. That's what I like more. I don't like doing the work that that would require. And so we just assume that someone else is going to do it, and that is what Moses says. God, like, for real, just someone else can, can do this. See, we see that it was, it was really a matter of Moses' faith all along. It wasn't the elders or Pharaoh. It was Moses who didn't believe it, who didn't trust God, who didn't put his confidence in God and his word. And, and maybe he was... He was too comfortable in his old age, and he's too established, and he's satisfied, and he's coasting in life, and he's, look, I, I don't have time for that, right? Which is understandable, but, but in God's kingdom, it's unacceptable. God invites, and he equips, and he challenges our comfort. He engages our struggles. He works in our insecurities. God provides excuses, and insecurities are no match for God's persistence in his provision. And then even in the midst of, of anger from God, Moses, seriously? Like parental, righteous, why? This is best for you. Hides in the face of, of Moses' excuses, his insecurities, and even his rebellion. I can't believe that God does this. In verse 14 through 17, At. Uh, now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and, and teach you 
uh, what shall speak? But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be with your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hands this staff with which you shall do the signs. See, this idea of of having a mouthpiece was normal. Pharaoh would have had this. We have a speaker of the house for for our president. Before uh, Twitter, someone spoke on behalf of. It's, It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea, right? Um, and so th- this was normal. It, this sounds crazy, but it, but it wasn't crazy. What was crazy was that God, that there's a backstory here that we never see, that God had been working with Aaron all along, and we don't know why Aaron is in Midian, or if he had been there the whole time, if he was hanging out in, in Egypt because he's like three years older than Moses, I, I think, I don't think I'm making this up, which means that he would have avoided the, hey, kill all the Hebrew babies, So he's hanging out with the Hebrews, and he shows up 285 miles away. Hey, bro, what up? I got your text. And God said, here he is, and and you guys are going to do this together. You're going to be like God to him, and and I'm going to tell you, and you're going to tell him, and and you guys are going to see this thing through, because he, he can speak well. God does that. I can't believe that God does that for him. In his rebellion, I, I can't believe that he does. God provides where Moses lacked, and, and even where he was unwilling, he provided for Moses through his weakness, and, and he's still at that today. Every failure and weakness that we demonstrate, every failure of God's persons and of his people are brought to light by the Christ who succeeded where we fail and who satisfies where, where sin fails. In the face of excuses, God is not stalled and he's not dismayed. He is not thwarted. He hears, he knows, he presses in, he engages with us in our weaknesses, and he engages through us in our weaknesses. New Year's resolutions, right? A matter of discipline and will and commitment and accountability and, 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 and what overcomes and undermines all of that? Excuses. And and where do excuses come from? The desire of our heart. What we want most wins. So so what must change in Moses or in us in order for us to bump the excuses and take steps towards faithful, joyful, trust-filled obedience is is our deepest desires. And what's going to happen is Moses is going to catch a train and he's going to go 285 miles to Egypt and he's going to chat with Pharaoh and God will prove himself faithful beyond measure And as for you and me, we get to be transformed by one far more faithful than Moses, and his name is Jesus. And at the end of Jesus' life and ministry, when he came to the earth, he arrives at the end of his earthly ministry, and he comes to the final stretch, and and Jesus came to earth willingly in full agreement with the Father and the Son, having read even the fine print of his mission. He knew how it was going to end. He knew how God was going to save his people, and Jesus would have to die to do that. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't tempted. He was tempted to forsake and to forego. 
on the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry. He had excuses for days. Father, they aren't faithful. That's an understatement. God, they don't deserve your love. The justice they deserve is is the chains they put on themselves. I don't deserve death. I've earned life through perfect obedience in every way. I've been faithful to everything you've asked of me. Just give them what they want, sin and death, and let me parade around as king here on earth. But he didn't, he didn't do that. He did not go that route. He came to the end, the, the go-tell-Pharaoh part of his mission, and instead of making excuses, you know what he said instead? He said the same thing that he said every other time he was tempted to jump ship or abandon the mission, to leave God's people enslaved. He said, Father, not my will, but yours. And here's what, here's what that means for you and for me. Here's what that means. It means that your ability and your willingness to say yes to walk in what God has for you, whether that's some monumental thing or just the, 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 the daily grind of living in Christ and community, it's not a result of, of fit or suitedness or your influence or your skill or, or your power or your, your discipline, but God's willingness. That Christ did not make excuses when challenged uh, with forsaking God's call. He succeeded. And, and where uh, we trust him in that, he transforms us so that we too might follow in obedience because he forsook excuse making. We too can forsake excuse making. So you might say, I'm not influential enough. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not willing enough. And I think what God would say for us today is, is then you're right where God wants you. Be- because it's not about your influence anyway. It never has been. And it's not about your skills of persuasion anyway. It never has been. And it's not even about your willingness, but it's about God providing the necessary means for, for Moses, and that was Aaron, and, and for us today, the Holy Spirit it, it isn't simply, he is not something that is, that is near, but he is within all who call upon the name of Jesus. And he guides us unto new life. And he guides us in obedience. And he guides us to resist the excuses, to, to walk in, in the calling that God has for us. So insecurity, it fuels doubt. And doubt leads to disobedience. But if it is our insecurity that drives us to doubt and and to disobey, then it is equally God's provision which secures us, which gives us confidence, which overcomes doubt and leads us to say yes. Excuses and insecurities are no match for God's persistent provision. So we get to respond to that. And God might be calling you to say yes to many things or no to many things or yes to the same things. If you're in Christ, we get to respond by by remembering and declaring the body of Jesus that was broken for us and the blood that was spilled for us. We get to respond by, by going to the prayer bench over there. You can sit right where you are. You can stand up and sing. You can pray over by that red tree or back by that one. Look, for anything that God might be stirring in you. We want to bear with you in prayer. 
We want to come alongside what God is up to in you. We would love to pray with you. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your gift. Thank you that that you gave Moses Aaron, even though you didn't have to. Thank you that you put up with his excuses. Thank you that you put up with ours. Thank you that we are not lost because uh, we've failed in our disciplines and the things that we have desired. But God, you are, are for us in Christ. Today, would you, would you let us just stop making excuses? Would you let us trust you in all things and trust your work and power through us in the small things? Would you let those in this room that, that are struggling with sin to just forsake it? Not because of them, but because of you. Would you show us that your power is made perfect in our weakness? Here now, until the ends of the earth, in Jesus' name.